afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Youth Perspective Podcast. This is the last episode of our first season. This podcast aims to offer a fresh perspective on misinformation, youth activism, women empowerment in politics, and discuss current political and social trends. We are on Spotify, RSS, SoundCloud, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. My name is Mark Chapnoff, the Commission on Human Rights, and I am your host for today. This episode is organized by CalDU with the support of the Friedrich Naumann Foundation. The art of remembering and forgetting has a thin line. Today, we'll talk about historical revisionism and the adverse impact of misinformation as means for political machinations to purposely advance political discourse in the Philippines and China in favor of the sitting government. We are joined by Francis Christopher Pachon from the Historic Sites and Education Division of the National Historical Commission of the Philippines. Christopher is a historical researcher at the Presidential Communications Development and Strategic Planning Office. Back in 2011, he was the Culture and Arts Officer at the National Commission for Culture and the Arts. He's also the author of the publication, Rizal, as a Filipino template for the 21st century Filipino diaspora. Christopher holds a master's degree in history from the University of the Philippines. Hi, Christopher. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Good day. Good day to all our listeners. Christopher, if you take a look at human behavior and how people tell stories, we'd see that bias is almost always inescapable. And so there are parts of the story that will be emphasized more than others, and more often than not, when it's passed on to others for retelling, other parts of the story are changed. But at the same time, it is also said that history is written by victors, or in many cases, the powerful and the influential. So just to jumpstart the discussion on historical revisionism, I want to ask if it's possible to have an objective account of history, a point of reference by which we can say that the farther we are from that point, we're already deviating from the truth and so therefore already historical revisionism. Okay, um, first off, um, because uh, we are all living in the present no? and um, we know that whenever there are certain events that happen in the present, uh, there, are, there are many perspectives, uh, especially those who are witness to that specific event. So um, given all of those perspectives of the witnesses, uh, we are limited by uh, their capacity to understand it. Of course, uh, they have their own motivations. Uh, they have their own um, lens in looking at uh, the event as they happen. So imagine if you put that event in the past, and uh, for example, there are witnesses and then there are records that get lost in time. So we are limited by the evidences that's presented to us. No? So um, for us historians, um, to, to claim objectivity is um, almost uh, impossible because uh, unless we can claim omniscience, no, uh, we can claim uh, all knowledge of the of the past no um that's where we can claim objectivity but uh because of the the limits of the evidences and of course the for example in a specific uh, for example uh, the, the the example of the plaza miranda bombing in 1971 uh, which happened 50 years ago uh, there were many people who were present there you no know, but uh at the time, you no, know, we are just limited by 
by well uh, from uh, from our perspective we are limited by the evidences the accounts no uh, the 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 eyewitness accounts of, of the people who, who were there no and um there are still many things that have to be um, investigated to be researched on so um while that is so no we historians have what we call the historical method no um given the limits that we have um uh, we can um uh, criticize we can analyze the source no the, the all the sources the evidences that's presented to us um, we can weigh them we can corroborate no just like the journalists who do uh, the the reports no uh, as they happen in the present and uh, after we do that no we can we can we after um, reaching a certain level of uh, of uh, our research no we can conclude no and that conclusion will be presented to our peers no uh, in conferences in in books no and and um our peers no our, our fellow historians would uh jump in and uh, uh tell 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 the uh, the researcher if they have um uh, if he has missed the uh, evidences and and that sort so what happens is um historical uh, research is an ongoing discourse no um, um whenever there are evidences that arise no uh, it's it's uh, we are duty bound to to perhaps uh, tweak or change a little bit uh, update our current uh, knowledge of history so um with with that i could say that we cannot claim objectivity but we can reach a certain impartiality in a sense that we have to make sure that all the contrasting voices uh of the witnesses of the eyewitness accounts are accounted for you no know, and are are appearing in our study so that um given all the evidences and the weighing of these evidences um the reader of our research would agree with us with our with our conclusion so that's how that's uh, as simple as i could <laughs> explain it Right. So do I understand it correctly, Christopher, that after critical analysis of historical accounts, and if there are instances by which there are perspectives, those are legitimate valid perspectives that were missed out during the first accounting of history, historical revisionism can actually take place and is not necessarily bad. Is that the case? Yes, actually, historical revisionism as a concept is uh, is how we do history. No, so whenever we, uh, for example, no, let me give you one example. Uh, for the longest time, the uh, uh, the Philippine American War was thought to have started in a bridge called the San Juan del Monte Bridge. No, but uh, because of uh, of uh, the efforts of some historians, uh, we were able to pinpoint the exact place where the conflict erupted no? and it's somewhere in in a street no in a corner street in in santa mesa in manila no so it's not on that bridge so uh, that's just one example of how historical revisionism happens no whenever there are new evidences that arise and uh whenever we account them and we we uh we we pinpoint the 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 the, update, uh, the updates that we need to uh, to do that's uh, how uh, history gets revised uh, what's bad about uh, historical revisionism is what we call the, the historical negationism or what we call historical denialism mm -hmm. 
And I think uh, I'll just uh, let you <laughs> lead on the questions. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering, um, what makes it different then? So what makes, in this case, what makes historical revisionism, historical negationism, as well as what we call denialism different in this context? Well, um, there is what we call um, uh, 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 intellectual dishonesty, okay? Uh, whenever there are uh, researchers, for example, who have a certain agenda who does not, um, uh, uh, even, even when there are evidences presented to them, they ignore those evidences in favor of the agenda they wish to push, uh, that's where we have a problem. No? And uh, uh, for example, if I could cite, um, there's this big case in 1996, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 1996, wherein um, uh, uh, a Holocaust denier by the name of uh, uh, David Irving uh, um, uh, filed a libel suit no, against a certain American historian by the name of Deborah Lipstad. And uh, uh, he filed the case against her because uh, uh, the American historian published this book no, uh, uh, mentioning him, uh, David Irving, as a Holocaust denier. No? And uh, uh, David Irving has, has been claiming that the Holocaust uh, was exaggerated. No, uh, most of the 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 uh, gas chambers were. Uh, I know um, the numbers are are uh, blown blown. I know blown blown uh, out of proportion. So uh, we have. Uh, the case was very interesting because uh, in 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 uh, in Britain um, the burden of proof lies on the on the uh, I'm not a lawyer no <laughs> but uh, the burden of proof lies on the accused no and the accused has to prove that that uh, that uh, uh, he or she did not commit anything wrong no and uh, because of that no Deborah Lips that set out to 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 um, uh, present to the court no, that David Irving was literally uh, his Holocaust denier. And it was found out that uh, uh, because uh, they, uh, she invited another historian no, um, uh, who saw to it that uh, 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 the 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 way that uh, David Irving uh, did his uh, historical research uh, was put under scrutiny, and they found out that uh, there were certain <laughs> there were certain uh, research that Irving did that he literally ignored uh, incontrovertible evidence, no, which shows that there is an intellectual dishonesty going on, and therefore there there's a there's an agenda to deceive. No? There's a, an agenda to push a certain agenda contrary to, to evidence. No? So um, with that, no, uh, Deborah Lipstadt won the case. No? And uh, uh, David Irving suffered um, uh, 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 a loss and uh, for, for the longest time he's been tagged as not a historian, no? but but a Holocaust denier, no, beware of the David Irving and his writings, no, that sort, no. So that's how um, uh, we do it, no, in, in history, and and uh, that's the danger whenever um, historical negationism or historical denialism goes unchecked, 
because uh, whenever it goes unchecked no it um it permeates no the discussion it sometimes hijacks certain uh, narratives that are are being talked about no in the streets no so uh it's we are duty bound as historians to correct those uh, uh distortions Right. But I think also it's present in the Philippines. Like say for examples, even even at this point, people still dub the martial law time as the golden age of the Philippines. And yet despite overwhelming evidence of human rights violations and offenses against humanity, there are still camps who believe and persist to say that these atrocities never happened, despite also the fact that there were also documentations of human rights violations in the Philippines. And so I also ask, interested interested to know, what conditions allows for historical denialism to happen? Um, and I want us to talk about the f- sense of history of Filipinos, because I keep on thinking, are Filipinos just too forgetful? Are we too forgiving or are we just too tired to resist? Okay, that's a very complex uh, question. No? Um, well, I would begin with uh, saying that um, uh, we have a real problem with our education system. No, um, uh, we. Uh, I've often um, um, talked with colleagues no, who notice that whenever there are... Um, uh, uh, discussions on the Philippine history curriculum. For example, no, it was already removed from high school, no, and uh, we have certain colleagues who are pushing to restore Philippine history in high school. Um, our policymakers and uh, you know the decision makers uh, tend to see history as a as a bottle to be filled, no. So they they put in a lot of content, no. So, uh, usually, you know, when you um, go through the education system, what you know are the what's, the whens, and the wheres of history, but you can never know the 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 questions of the. Uh, you can never get to the questions of the whys, no. Uh, why did they say that? For example, you'd notice, no, in in our education system, there are uh, you know memorizations, identification, never really make uh, um, teaching uh, students how to make sense of a certain event, its context, and why it happened. And uh, how is it connected to the other succeeding events that led us to our present? No, so um, you know that involves a lot of critical thinking, and that involves a lot of unloading of all the 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 load of content that is being poured on our curriculum. Um, uh, because our teachers are, for example, so burdened with uh, the DepEd's a requirement of uh you know, uh, you have to teach these uh, facts, no, and um, sometimes missing, missing uh, the, I don't know, the, the essence of, of uh, why history uh, is history, no. So, remember, history is uh, where we get the sense of our identity, where we get a sense of place, where we get our sense of uh, significance, no, and where uh, history gives us a uh, 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 our part in a larger picture, in a larger scheme of things. And when you lose that and you just focus on the 
the dates you just focus on the names ignoring or sometimes no um setting aside the reasons why these people acted the way they did no that's when you you get you get a population that's a uh, very susceptible to uh to propaganda um um you know uh, whenever we talk about um uh denial no denialism um stories have power no uh, we know this no because uh, we're uh, we're less than a year away uh, from the upcoming elections and stories no sometimes mobilize people to act no mobilize people to elect certain people to power no and and uh, because of that no history is all about stories it's all about narratives and um whenever you um tweak those stories and make people very angry or very you poke their uh, emotions no to 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 uh, believe, make them believe a certain way you have already captured no uh, the people to your cause and probably would you you would make them you know push for you to be elected to office no so um uh, stories all also are 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 very powerful in a sense that when, whenever there's a film or there's a there's a uh you know we we always talk about stories no and history is all about that no it's not just about um dates and names so whenever we talk about um that the problems of of uh denialism i would always bring that to the problems of how we teach uh history no in uh to our students because uh that's uh, uh one of the things that we need to develop more you know, whenever uh, we talk about these issues but um you know um in in social media no you have you have sankai janjan no among others no who uh who would always challenge the authority of of historians and history experts no and um uh, they would always say that ah you you, you see these biased uh, uh teachers who teach you uh these things no but they have never taught you these things no they would always uh point uh, you to the the notion that uh you have you have been duped for the longest time and look what they've been hiding all along this is the real thing no so uh imagine you know, you, uh, you you feel that you were deceived no and you suddenly see this narrative that's very colorful it pokes your your anger it pokes your your you know, your emotions so um uh whenever our people are are not equipped no? Uh, uh, with what we call historical thinking or critical thinking, uh, we are prey to these forces no? that would seek to uh, get our, our support. All right. So it points to actually two concerns. Like first, I think that we have to also talk about the teachers, as you've mentioned, the teachers' capacity to also appreciate and impart history as it is to place it in a larger context and make sense of it more than the details the names the dates the numbers etc but it also points to the fact that there must also be a need to hone students critical thinking and i think um that 
largely gives us more room for problems simply because if you present them, as you've mentioned, present them with alternative perspectives, which makes sense um, and links them to their grudges, to their problems, etc., etc., it leads to a room for, see, for example, propaganda and also other um other ill techniques for, for manipulation for society to happen. And so in this case, do you think that discussions on historical revisionism, denialism, as well as the prevalence of fake news in the Philippines in particular, um, are also pressing concerns that is that can be linked to the idea that we failed to appreciate history as a tool for us to remember and also think critically of our future? Well, um, we have to also take into account why many people who live through uh, the martial law, no, who live through through the trauma of the dictatorship, uh, did not quickly, um, you know, um, made themselves known, no, probably because of the trauma that they suffered, no, and uh, that was why whenever there are shifts in um, in regimes, no, uh, truth commissions, no, um. Uh, justice uh, commissions are are very vital whenever whenever because history is also a way to seek accountability to what happened no in the past no the injustices no the the atrocities committed no? so um perhaps uh it's also wrong to like expect um the victims to you know um uh, make themselves known so that we could remember but it's the job of society you know it's the duty of society if we are really a democratic society to make sure that that all the 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 deeds of the past whenever they are good or bad you no know, they are bad for society and uh what the reverberations are no um i think the 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 duty of society of all our democratic institutions is to make to make them uh remember to commemorate these um these events no as as uh, it really happened no when even if even when we can't achieve objectivity there is still uh you know incontrovertible evidences that we could consult no that we could um uh, you know put up for example uh in in the national historical commission of the philippines we have historical markers no to to um these are markers no um um installed uh unveiled uh, on on specific uh sites of of uh, uh monuments uh, sites of of uh, historical events no uh put for the public to see no and uh for them to to uh, memorialize no so um you know we have a lot of problems with with uh with remembering because um uh, i I can't uh, remove the factor that we are, uh, we are, uh, you know, suffering from uh, political dynasties, for example, who would seek always to hijack, no, the narratives, no, which is rooted, which are which are rooted uh, in history. So um, there are also forces at play, no. For example, the new technologies that arise, no. Many of our gadgets seek our attention day, daily, no. Uh, many, for example, in in the Philippines, I think we are the highest uh, when it comes to uh, Facebook usage. Um, you know, uh, so many things are are trying to catch our attention, and uh, there's so much uh, uh, 
time uh, there's uh, little time left uh, to think no to think things uh, through no uh, you could see this in the millennials uh, no, uh, 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 acting of uh, you know tweeting or just posting without really thinking about it no and um, um, the thing about that is uh, history if you look at its essence encourages us to think things through um, that that history is complex because uh, human beings are complex and there are certain things to be weighed. You have to be sensitive about these things. Uh, we seek to empathize with people no, even when they are like years apart from us, no, even when they lived in the past. No? So there are certain commonalities and differences and uh, that we need to account for no, whenever we uh, try to gather these narratives together. And um, uh, we have a big job to do whenever we uh, we would uh, you know um, uh, call the attention of the public no no we uh, please remember this no um, uh, commemorate this of course we need to be creative about it no Christopher as we wind down this discussion I also want us to remind our listeners that not all hope is lost uh, because previous discussions is that we've also gleaned into the complexity of historical revisionism, denial, uh, denialism, as well as the complex needs of the society to appreciate history as a tool also, not only for us to remember, but also as a tool for governance and on how to move forward. And so with that, I'd like to ask, where can we begin? If, see, for example, you're listening um on this podcast and you wanted to take action especially you've seen how bad things are especially when we tend to forget specific facts in history that have impacts on our present what can you do as a as an ordinary citizen where can you start well we could always um start with our families you know um our families our, our are our captured audience Whenever, of course, we do not assume that we know everything, no, because uh, when you act on a certain way that you know everything, no, people would tend to say that oh, you did not live uh, during that time. We lived during that time. Um, if I would just like to share, no, um, half of my family, my father's side of the family, uh, we are Ilocanos, no, so um, most of them have have been voting, no, for, consistently for for a certain political family, you know, who they are. <laughs> and um, some of my relatives have actually benefited from, from the dictatorship, you know, and um, that's why uh, whenever, whenever there's a reunion, it's always a controversial thing, you know, they, they, they never spoke to me again after 2016, for example, because I was very outspoken, you know. So um, uh, the family is always... Uh, your available um, pulpit, no. Whenever you do, uh, whenever you want to make your um, voice known, and uh, in cases of of these things, no. Uh, whenever you know, um, uh, we whenever a certain family member are beholden to a certain political figure, involving you know the one that you're talking about, no, sa, sa history, no. Uh, whenever there that that happens um you know what to do you know how, what how to say it because you know 
your tito or your tita, uh, you know how they are. Uh, they are family members and um, no matter what happens, no, you're still relatives. No? Uh, but at the same time, no, you learn how to persuade. No? Uh, persuading means patiently um, uh, you know, patiently and carefully wording it in such a way that you come across as someone who's open-minded, you know, who's open to, you know, to, to say something and, and uh, make people doubt you know, their own positions. You know? So um, persuasion is a skill. You know? And uh, you, you only get, get to know how to persuade if you know the person you're talking to. And I think the advantages of that person being a family member uh, makes you, you know, uh, equipped you not know, to say to say any to say something. But uh, in the cases of, for example, you no, know, whenever we have friends, you no, know, we have, um, uh, you know, whenever you ride a taxi, <laughs> you whenever you ride a cab or you sit with someone, you no, know, uh, uh, there's an opportunity for conversation. You establish first common ground. No, uh, you say, Kuya, uh, uh, kumusta yung biyahe natin ngayon? No, if you talk to the cab driver, uh, ano, hirap ngayon, ano, because we are all living, no, in the same reality. No, we are all living in the same political reality, and uh, we are encountering the same historical distortions, no, uh, wherever they could be, no, via media, radio, uh, TV, no, so, um, uh, just persuade, no, uh, coming from you know an honest heart that you you know that you you empathize with the person you're talking to, so that you get you get through that person, no? So you begin with your circle of family, friends, and the people you encounter outside, and then. Um, you know, uh, people have been saying that uh, you're very vocal in social media. It has no effect. It also has an effect, no? But, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to also um, uh, look, look at our, our uh, activity in social media as something, you know, uh, activism or whatever. But the real battle is outside, no? Um, most of the people... Uh, who you want to persuade uh, to your position, do not use uh, Facebook, do not use uh, social media, you do not use Twitter, Instagram. So you need to, we need to do the hard work. You no, know? we need to, you know, talk to people. And uh, talking to people in such a way that they really understand you and they empathize with them. You empathize with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, uh, for example, no, we've been talking English, no? Uh, drop the English, no? Uh, say it in Tagalog or in your vernacular uh, uh, language, no? Kung Bisaya yan or, or ano, or, or uh, Kapampangan or, or Ilocano, no? Say it in such a way that, uh, you know, uh, they could really understand you and they know what you mean. So, kasi, we Filipinos know we know how how people are pag ano no pag we are being uh deceived or mm-hmm. you just know it no you, you what we call pakikiramdam no when uh certain people no uh you know 
are just saying it, no, but they really do not mean it, no. So, uh, don't be like that, no. Persuading takes a lot more, and the fact that we all care, no, about about these narratives that are being perpetuated that are wrong, uh, it means that you have the heart, no, to to do what you can, no, to stem the tide of disinformation and historical distortion. All right. So just a way, nice way to close the discussion. Can you just explain also to our listeners how important, therefore, is history in terms of preserving democracy and freedoms and also human rights in the Philippines? And in a way, perhaps you can invite them on how to um, make better sense of, of history and to encourage them to study history more. Well, um, history is... Um... Uh, I I no longer take on the position that history should be nationalistic, no, because uh, by by doing that, no, we're setting aside certain certain minorities who do not share that that view, no. Um, uh, what I've learned, no, when when I am studying or researching about history is that history should be geared towards empathy, understanding, towards justice towards inclusivity you make sure no we make sure that the history that we are teaching our our young people are inclusive enough that that all the people from Luzon Visayas and Mindanao could relate to no and are and is representative of of their of their shared experiences um history can also be uh, a way of um um pointing to accountability no uh, i i sort of challenge that notion that uh, the filipinos have a short attention span when it comes to these things because uh, we know history we know history as they come but uh, whenever you know there are certain political realities that have to be accounted for you know? uh, for example uh, when you don't uh, you don't know what to put on the table you earn day by day you don't have tenure in your job no uh things like these no like history like your role in the grander scheme of things these things are set aside no? because your priority is the day-to-day and um i think it's for 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 many of us who are listening no you you are capable of you know i assume that that uh, you can can live on your own no? you have your technology and you are well supported um, we are living through history you know whatever we whatever we do whatever we act on whatever we say can be a reference for future historians in the future this pandemic for example it has not happened for a century. The last pandemic that we've had was in 1918, you know, the Spanish uh, flu or the Spanish influenza. Uh, it, it wreaked havoc on all the provinces, you know, almost similar to COVID-19. And we know the experiences of, of that part of our history via the diaries, via the, the personal accounts of certain people who lived through those uh, uh, tumultuous uh, times. You know? So... Um, what we can do is record everything. No, uh, example, we just uh, we just uh, heard the announcement that we have uh, we have uh, 
we will ease out of ECQ in Metro Manila. And then all of a sudden, no, they change too, no, to GCQ. No, so you write that down, no, you write that down how it that affected you, no, how how that affected your livelihood, for example. And that writing perhaps can be a reference for historians, no, because your voice is of value, no, your voice is of value. Um, what's the role of history in democracy? Well. It has a lot of uh, of of uh, uh, means, no, to make certain people accountable, no. Uh, when it comes to the talk of transitional justice, no. When it comes to the talk of of peace, uh, peace process, the peace process in Mindanao, no. Um, history has a lot to do with that, no. Um, the peacemakers should consult, no, with historical sources, no. Some some. Um, some uh, deep resentments that are rooted in the past no must be accounted for must be taken into account to consideration no uh, in order to achieve peace no and stability um, our shrinking democratic space for example um, at, uh, we can say that it's almost the same as in 1972 but it's also not the same in a sense that uh, we have technologies that are available to us uh, that have been weaponized no uh, towards a certain agenda but what but those tools no, these tools can also be used to stem the tide to to counter that that agenda no? so we have a lot of work to do no the future is uncertain and we are living through history as we know it and um, what we can do is um, take note of everything, make sure that our family members, loved ones, friends know the right history. And I encourage everyone to make your own reading you know, of, 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 uh, of books, you know, of, of uh, news articles you know, on martial law, you know, on, on historical denialism as they happen. You know. uh, there are a lot of references. You know, we have a lot in, in the NHCP, the National Historical Commission of the Philippines. Uh, sometime in 2015, we commissioned uh, Rock Ed Philippines and um, uh, Arnold Are, the animator and comic writer, to do a series of uh, animation on martial law. Uh, we've also released um, you know, certain uh, documents. Uh, for example, the position of the NHCP on on uh, the Bureau of Marcos in Nibinga na mga Bayani. Uh, we have a position paper uh, released to the public in July, last July 2016. Um, you, uh, we presented there how we arrived at the conclusion why we, he should not be buried there uh, based on evidences. No? For example, uh, it's seen there that uh, uh, the, the U.S. Army, no, um, called the Maharlika unit of Marcos as fraudulent, no? uh, that needs to be emphasized no? because the reason for his burial there was uh, because he was a war hero, quote-unquote. No? So history is investigation. So you'd appreciate that document because that's an investigation answering a specific question. Um, History is, uh, well, there are a lot of uh, uh, materials available. I, I've heard that Ateneo produced the Martial Law Museum online. 
and of course um our efforts no individual efforts i have my own advocacy on twitter uh via the sub selfie um the millennial uh, um online magazine uh i have my colleagues on facebook uh shout chua has a youtube channel um uh alvin kapumanes uh has a tiktok tiktok uh channel Um, my friend Kirby Araulio from UCLA also has the YouTube channel. So all of these things are are available, no? And um, uh, I think um, the the uh, the construction of the Freedom Memorial Museum by the Human Rights uh, Violations Victims uh, Memorial Commission. Uh, will soon be uh, having their groundbreaking. Uh, the museum is dedicated to all the uh, the victims and survivors of martial law. So um, I think it will rise in in somewhere in UP. No, I I don't know particularly where, but uh, the the NHCP is co-chair with the HRBBMC. No, in support of that museum. No, to be I think inaugurated sometime next year or next next year. So um. All of these things are available, no, online and offline, no. Um, records of of uh, uh, the victims of martial law in the UP uh, library in in many libraries in 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 the academe. So uh, you just have to do your own investigation, and if you want to consult with us in the NSCP or other historians out there in the universities, you could do so, no. Di kami nangangat. <laughs> so, uh, we are willing to share or impart our knowledge of, of these things. Many thanks for joining us this morning, Christopher, or um, wherever you are located in, in the world. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. There are a lot of things to unpack during the discussions, but there are also a lot of things to remember. This has been a very fruitful discussion. We'd like to again thank you, Christopher, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for today, and I hope we get to appreciate the special place of history in the society, not only as a way to remember, but also to move forward in building a society that respects, protects, and fulfills human rights and the freedoms of everyone. Again, this podcast episode is organized by Calvius with the support of the Frederick Nauman Foundation. See you again on our second season. 